the fact that it is time uh, for things to get serious. The game between God and the devil is on. The time that we are living in is the last of the last days. And it is, y'all have never noticed, uh, you haven't noticed recently the attacks rising, have you? (laughs) Everybody's giving me funny uh, looks. Yeah, well, guess what? There's a reason for that. It's game on time. And, um, you know, but we just had a message a couple weeks ago called impossibility to impossibility. God's expecting his people, his believers, to see impossibilities that the devil brings to us and go, ah, that's nothing for God. Let's make this impossible thing of the world possible. All right? And uh, so, but here's the thing. Uh, we can turn to Ezekiel 33.6. And if you did pull up the notes tonight, uh, which I recommend that you at least go back and hold on to them, read through them again, you'll realize that if I don't get on with it now, we're going to be here late. So there's a bunch of them. It's, and we're just going to read through a bunch of scriptures. But this verse right here is talking about the watchman. And this is why sometimes uh, leaders should be frank with you. This is why leaders should be uh, blunt with you. This is why sometimes you come and it's just like, oh, lovey-dovey, I just love y'all, it's so great. And other times you come in and it's like, y'all better get straight because of this verse right here. Now it says, but if the watchman sees the enemy coming and doesn't sound the alarm to warn the people, he is responsible for their captivity. They will die in their sins, but I will hold the watchman responsible for their deaths. So now what he says is, it, in, the, in context, because a lot of people take this, and if they see anybody doing anything wrong, they'll go and they'll try to correct it based off of this verse. That's incorrect too. If somebody just goes and tries, the context of this actually says, if the people select you as a watchman, okay, But then God says to Ezekiel here, and God says that you, I've chosen you to be a watchman. Okay? So a lot of times people will try to be the watchman in other people's lives and go tell them stuff that may even be true. But God didn't ordain them to be a watchman over that other person's life. So you can't just go around telling everybody everything that you see or hear, whether it's true or not. But at the same time, God can appoint a watchman. So as a pastor, I'm a watchman. All right? I'm a watchman. And, and I'll be honest with you. I don't want to be held responsible, as far as God's concerned, over your death. Or over the death of things in your life. Over areas of your life that came to death because I didn't tell you. Okay? So what we're facing, that's what we're talking about tonight. I'm going to give you three different things. Number one is the alarm. Number two is the solution. And then number three is what's, what's the outcome. Okay. So number one is the alarm. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. Now I heard Rick Renner preach these uh, at the minister's conference earlier this year. And I'll tell you as I read through the verses that we're about to read through. Okay. As I read through those verses... That was uh, definitely something that I always thought was way off, okay, as we read through these verses. 
But as Rick Renner brought them out and started bringing out what they actually mean, I started realizing, oh my goodness, this is, this is not way off at all. We're smack dab in the middle of what we're about to read. So I'm not going to go through his whole message. Maybe we will sometime. But just take, it, uh, take this uh, to heart that we're in the middle of this. Some of this will sound familiar to you, but we're right in the middle of it right now. So 2 Timothy 3.1. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Now, the first thing he said is, in, you've got kind of the last days that started as soon as the Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2. In the last days, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Well, the last days in spiritual terms started then. But then you have what this is, is the last of the last days. In other words, you've got the last days, but then you've got, and he, he defined it like this, the final port. In other words, this is the last before basically the rapture. Okay, Before God comes, before the Antichrist comes, this is the last of the last days. And in those days you will see these things. In last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, unreconcilable, excuse me, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, Boy, this is exciting, isn't it? <laughs> Reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. <laughs> and then it throws this in, avoid such men as these, <laughs> you know, right? As if it wasn't evident. But the problem is, you know what? There's a whole lot of people that actually go to church that's in this list. Let that sink in for a second. And the truth of the matter is, probably every single one of us is probably actively engaged in one of these. Why? Because the world has told us that it's okay. It's not okay, but, and nobody in here wants that to be you, but it's the world that we live in. And it's taught us that the flesh things, the corrupted things of the devil... The corrupted things of this world is okay. And it's not. And when these things happen, we are in the last of the last days. Now, like I said, I'm not going to preach Rick's message, but let me just say, I was never more convinced that we are in this period of time than we are right now. And since then, there's been something else. So a few weeks ago, I don't know if y'all remember uh, but I went and I preached for my pastor down in Rockingham, right? And so the day before that on Saturday, I felt something. I just sent something in the Spirit. And the day and coming back from preaching at his church that Sunday afternoon, man, I felt something. And I knew that we were already in this time. But I felt what the best way to describe what I felt was this. And, and, and guess what? I can miss it. So this may not be true. But I think you'll see that it probably is. Okay? But I can miss it because I'm a man too. And I can be wrong. You know? And I am. I am wrong at times. But this is something that immediately began to kind of prove itself true. 
And so what I felt like was that there had been a shift in the Spirit. In other words, something is different, something has changed, and for the world, it's not good news. For, the, for believers, it's not necessarily good news, okay, if they don't know what to do. But for the believer that knows what to do, it really doesn't matter because they're living under the promises of God and they know how to get the goodness of God to manifest in this earth. Okay, So you can be in one of those three categories after you hear this message, either in the world or a believer that doesn't know what to do and you're probably not looking at a good thing. Or you can be a believer that does know what to do and actually it can be very good for you because it can be a time where you can help more people than you've ever been able to help before. It has, we're hitting a period of time where the world is darker than it ever has been. And in that darkness, we need to shine. Okay? So here's the thing. I just felt like, um, I, I would say my understanding of the way that prophecy and the timing of God works is kind of like this. You're walking on the timeline, and God will say to his church, kind of, bad things are happening at this period in time. And then the church will either respond or not respond. Okay, And at some point, the church will say, okay, I believe that that's true, let's start praying. And they'll pray, and the, and the mercy of God will come in. And even though we know that the last days have to come, we know that the Antichrist has to come. We know that the times, you know, the end times that are not good have to come. All right? We know that that, why? Because God said it. But there are ways for us to live better or worse based off of how we respond to what's written in the Word and what the Holy Spirit's directing us. So then we have times where we kind of ignore the things of God. We don't take up a responsibility as an ambassador of Christ. We don't take up prayer. We, we care more about ourselves, more about our money, more about uh, you know, everything about us, right? We're not moving in God's love. We're not praying. We're not seeking. You know, if God shows you something bad, it's not because He wants something bad to happen. He's showing you so you don't have to have the something bad. So, but here's the way it is. I believe that one of those lines that we probably have pushed off with prayer for so long, we stepped over it around that date. And something changed. And something shifted. Now, like I said, that's... Not good if you're in the world, but if you're a believer and you know what to do, then you're fine. Actually, you can thrive in it. Because while everybody else is not doing well, God's going to look for people that he can shine through, that will illuminate in that darkness, that, that will receive the things of God. And when people come and say, how can I have that too because I'm hurting they know to say Jesus. Okay? So he, what he's doing. Now is that God being, being mean? No. That's God being merciful on a world that has rejected him. Okay? So he's keeping us here to be the beacon that God, that he, you know, we're supposed to be. But listen, you're not going to be the beacon 
by making excuses for ungodliness. You're not going to be the beacon for petty stuff and offenses in your life. You're not going to be the beacon by making excuses about doing things that you should have been doing for God. You're going to be in that crowd that's having a hard time. So now is the time for it to get real, real with you. Now's the time where you ought to be saying, game on, all right? We got a game in front of us, game on. I'm ready, let's go. That's what you ought to be saying. Game on, Lord. Now see, we should have been doing this the whole time, but especially now, I'm being the watchman. I'm giving you a realization, it's on. Whether you get in the game or not, it's on. If you decide not to get in the game, you're in the game, you just don't realize it. And you're already losing. But I'm telling you how you can already be winning. But that means you've got to start taking responsibility for disciplining yourself after Christ. Harley told me a story at the men's group the other night, which I so greatly appreciate, and it really feeds into this as well. He said on, he said on Sunday morning, um, you know, they came and he and his wife were baptized together. It was beautiful. And I asked him on Monday night, what happened? And he said, man, just something changed. And it was awesome. He said, actually, all day today, all day Monday, it's been blessed. You can tell that something changed. I, we received that blessing that we've been looking for for months, basically, was his testimony. So here was his testimony saying, we received that nugget. But what he went on to say that was so important was this. And I see this all the time, and I try to be the watchman. I try to let people know. Was he was on Sunday morning, I really appreciate his honesty, and if he'll let me tell the story right now, it'll help a lot of people. So he was saying, man, it's just a baptism service. I don't want to go. I mean, I was probably thinking, I've seen it before. In other words, there were excuses for not going. Now, in the process, and I love this, he said, but all of a sudden, he said, I don't even remember how I got there. I found myself in the shower getting ready for that service. <laughs> and then so we just went on. And that was the day that the key that he'd been looking for came through. The blessing that they needed for their life. Now listen, here's the thing. And, and so that was just the mercy of God. Because, answer me this, had he left you alone and not in his mercy, do you think you would have shown up? No. Amen. Thank you for your honesty. So we can all learn something by that. How many times is there the key that we've been looking for, and because we make excuses, we miss it? And that was the day. That was the day that God had planned. Well, in this time and in this era, I mean, we're saying the name of the message is game on, but let me tell you something. This is not a game to the devil. And it is not a game to God. I mean, I said that just to kind of keep the mood light. <laughs> but in all actuality, this is a very real life and death thing that's happening 
And we don't have the ability anymore to say, I want to do this or I don't want to do this. We don't have that ability. We don't have that right as believers. Now if you think that you have that right as a believer to just say, well, I'm going to do whatever I feel like doing that day and leave the options for ungodliness, the options for His order to be thrown away, you're going to, get, you're going to lose in this game. Except it's not a game. And you don't want that. God doesn't want that. The devil wants that. The devil wants it because he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But we've got to start coming up to the place where we say, all right, I'm going to, not, I'm going to stop being a, a, a bad kid in the kingdom of God and the things of God. And I'm going to start to be a mature adult. Take responsibility for me and stop giving excuses to God. That's the time that we're in. Now, I'm telling you this as mercy from God to let you know now's the time. But I'm also going to tell you what to do. How to make this, make it through... But here's something, just since that June 13th date, this is a list of things that have happened. Now locally, I know in the other parts of the world there have been other things, but locally, just look at the shark attacks that have happened on North Carolina's coast and still happening, right? There's been a lot. We've never heard of so many, right? Do you think they just all of a sudden decided they wanted to start attacking people? Everything we do is, is it flesh and blood? Or is it spiritual principalities and powers? Right. It's spiritual things that we wrestle with. So all of a sudden the sharks are just deciding, oh look, people, I don't... No. No, not at all. There's a spiritual thing going on. Here's another thing. Uh, There was an alligator just washes up on the beach. It's just weird. Weird stuff. Weird things in nature. They had a flood in Houston. There was an earthquake that I read about again. It's like earthquake after earthquake after earthquake. Since that period of time, here's the big ones. Charleston shooting. You think that just happened? Nope. Supreme Court votes to keep Obamacare, which in its, there's some deep stuff in that thing that's very evil. They vote to keep that, and, and then they vote on the homosexual uh, right to marry. Okay? That's, that's things that happen. Now Greece, what's happening in Greece? Complete bankruptcy of a whole country. All of this has happened in the last basically three and four weeks. Uh, last week, last weekend... A Russian bomber flew into American airspace off of California. Did you know about that? They just so happened to not report that. But that happened. Today we make a a nuclear deal with Iran. And after the um, Supreme Court vote, you had 2 million, uh, and this is what I read, I wasn't there, obviously, but you had two million people in a gay pride parade, and here's one of the things that they were doing. They took a transgender man to represent Jesus and then went through the act of crucifying him. 
And then they took pages out of the Bible and started wiping their bottoms with it. Now all of this has been since June 13th-ish. So would you agree with me that there probably has been a little bit of a shift? Because this stuff, here's the thing. When we start coming to the end of time, all of those prophecies, they have to be fulfilled in a short period of time. In other words, everything that's been prophesied, it has to happen before the end of time. So in other words, when we come to this end, it's just going to get more and more compressed and compact and things are going to start happening very, very quickly. Are they happening quickly? Yes. All right, so what do we do? Let's go into the solution. Because I... All right, we, we recognize and we realize that as far as the devil's concerned, it's game on. All right, but we realize you have a role to play, and I want your role to be blessed. That's why we're talking about this tonight. So, the solution. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, which is just after this end time uh, scriptures that we read a few minutes ago. Verse 13. It says, but evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, believers, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now let me point this out. When he says salvation through faith, we're not just talking about eternal life. We're not just talking about uh, everything that needs to uh, happen for you to live forever. We're talking about the saving grace of God in whatever area of life you find yourself facing. So in other words, saving grace of God, salvation through faith is protection in a dark time. It's the ability to shine in a dark time. It's the ability to see healing when there's no hospitals if necessary. All right? It's the ability to see provision when stuff isn't going the way it should in the job market or finance world. World. It's salvation. So what he's saying is, go back to what you've learned about me and continue to apply it because it, the darkness is just going to get dark, darker. Okay, But go back to that. From your childhood, you've known the sacred writings, scriptures, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You notice that your answer is already in Christ Jesus. And guess who else is in Christ Jesus if you're born again? You are. So your answer and everything you need, it's already in Him. We just need to learn how to abide in Him. Okay? We need to make that a reality. But here's the thing. When we're making excuses, all of a sudden what we're doing is we're jumping outside of Christ. Well, see, in this time, you jump outside of Christ, and it's a dangerous time to be outside of Christ. More dangerous than it's ever been. This is why we don't have the ability or the right. And listen, you jump outside of Christ and you get killed, well, there's somebody that needed what you have. So it's not just about you. 
It's about you and who God's called you to help and stand for in this time. So you don't have a right to be playing around with somebody else's life because you are seeing that there's options besides what God said. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So that the man of God, listen to this, this is what God wants us to be, may be adequate, equipped for every good work. For every one. How many, how many does that not include? None. He wants you to be ready for everything you face. Everything. He wants you to be well equipped. Adequately equipped. To face everything that you'll face. So it doesn't matter now if it's dark or light outside. doesn't matter if it's game on or not. God wants you adequately equipped. But you do that by meditating on the Scripture, doing what you know to do, what the Holy Spirit's leading you on the inside to do. Let's learn. Here's number one. There's three steps in the solution. Number one is learn how to manifest the kingdom of God. Number two... Remember your job. You're an ambassador. If you, if you didn't have a job, God would just save you and take you to heaven. But you have a job here on the earth, and that job is ambassador. And if you forget that, you're going to be out of place in this earth. In other words, if you forget that, we were kind of talking about that at the men's group. If you forget that you're ambassador and the blessings of God come on you to be an ambassador, you'll think that it's you that got that stuff. Boom, look at me. And all of a sudden, you'll use all that stuff on you, all your time, all your energy, all your talents on you and you've forgotten you're an ambassador. You've forgotten and what you're doing is you're stepping outside the will of God. Alright? Number three, we put away a pettiness, offense, options for ungodliness, and we put on love. So number one, learn how to manifest the kingdom. God is love, and we must receive that as a child. 1 John 4, 8. Here's what I'm talking about. In the kingdom of God and the domain of God and the rule of God is there supply and provision. You better believe it. Is there supply? Is it adequate to every good work? Yes. So is there anything lacking? All right. Think about anything in your life where you've been lacking it. In the kingdom, is there anything lacking? No. None at all. So if we're lacking, it kind of is a good symptom that somehow we're out of the kingdom. But if we can learn how to live in the kingdom and get the blessings, God said in Ephesians 1.3 that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. In other words, the, every kingdom blessing, you are already blessed with. God has already said they need this, you're blessed with it. You need this, you're blessed with it. What do you need? You're blessed with it. Why? Because he saved you from every situation. So you're already blessed with all of that. The question is, do you know how to get that blessing out of heaven and onto the earth? So if you don't know how to do that, then you walk through life and you go, golly, why does God let all this stuff happen to me? But if you do know how to do that, and those blessings start manifesting in your life, then all of a sudden in a dark world, you light up and people go, how does he get those blessings to manifest on him? Or her? 
How does he do that? And now they're drawn to you. And you can tell them, Jesus. Let me show you. It's simply discipling myself after Jesus and let me show you how to do the same. And so we got to know how to manifest. Well, the number one thing is this. You've got to know that God is love. Because, and I'll tell you, there's, there's probably a bunch of preachers out there that would tell you how much God wants. Listen, as soon as these rulings came down, it was, Facebook was lit up with people saying, God's going to curse this earth. God's going to judge. He's going to damn this place. We better get straight. And there's plenty of people saying that. Let me tell you something. Every bit of judgment and curse he put on Christ. He paid for every sin, every wrong judgment. Christ carried it all. He ain't looking to put it on you. He's trying to keep you out of it. Now this world has held a corruption ever since the fall of man. And it will continue in that corruption. So we get to choose. Are we going to operate in worldly, fleshly stuff? Or are we going to operate in kingdom stuff? Right? Alright. So, God is love. He's not looking to curse or damn or else He would have done did it. <laughs> he would have done He would have done passed the sentence and passed the judgment on you. But He didn't want to do that. So He put it on His Son instead. So that you wouldn't have to receive that. All we got to do is learn how to not receive it. And that just means that we walk with Him. Well, one of the first things is we start to learn who God is. The one who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In Him there is no variableness nor shadow of turning of His love. It is 100% pure love. You won't find any piece of Him that's a shadow that says, I want to damn you, I want to judge you, I want to do that. No, no, no. First thing you need to know to manifest the kingdom in your life is God is good and He is love and He's not changing. Alright, number two, we have to believe that as a child. In other words, we, you can hear me and say, yep, yep. Amen, preacher. Amen. Good job. God is love. He is good. No very much. Hey, woo, hallelujah. You can do a little Holy Ghost dance. Or sitting right in your seat and pat your feet up and down and give me a whole bunch of amen. That don't mean that you believe it. That just means you're agreeing with me right now. But you've got to believe that as a child. That means you've got to swallow that and make it yours. That means... When, when the devil comes and says, well, you can't have this because of what you did yesterday. You were so bad. You remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we can't go, oh, man, it is. I, it was so bad yesterday. God must want to punish me and judge. Well, now what are we doing? Are we believing that God is love? No, we're not. That doesn't mean that we should just do stuff just so, just so that because we, we can Paul said, God forbid. But what it does mean is, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And as a child, we need to be like those little baby birds. When the uh, mama and daddy bird bring food back to the thing, well, they could be bringing anything, right? Man, those birds are going to gulp it down. Well, you can't do that with people. You can't just, you shouldn't gulp down what I'm telling you tonight. You should not do that. But inside of you, you should have a witness from the Holy Spirit that's saying, yes, this is right, or no, this is wrong. But if that Holy Spirit says, yes, this is right, 
then you ought to be eating it up like because just like a child who would believe anything that their parents would tell them. You can't do that with people, but with God and the promises that are in His Word, like God is love, you ought to be doing that all day long because He is worthy to be trusted. I, as a man with a corrupted flesh that I still have to deal with, I can miss it. But God, that's not the way God is. God is worthy to be trusted. When He says, I love you, I've healed you, I've delivered you, I've protected you, then that means we can gulp it down like a baby bird. And listen to this verse. He says in Mark 10.13, they were bringing children to Him so that He might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, He was indignant and said to them, Permit the children to come to Me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Then He goes on to say, Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child, he won't enter it at all. He said, and he took his arms and he began blessing them, laying his hands on them. He showed right there what the heart of the Father was. The heart of the Father was to love on them like there's no tomorrow. That's the way he wanted to love on people that would accept him as a child in love. That's what he's wanting to do. So as a child, we need to receive his love. And then 1 John, 14, uh, or 1 John 4 verse 16 says this, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. We've come to know it and we have believed. God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in Him. This is where we need to stay in this time. Matthew 6, 9, and 10. Remember, number one part of solution, learn how to manifest the kingdom. And the, the keys are God is love, accept that as a child. And then he says this, Jesus says, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Then he says this statement, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, the purpose of God the whole time was to get the sufficiency, the adequacy, the overflowing supply and blessing of heaven on earth just like it is in heaven. Well, when we start to know that, we start to walk in that. We start to walk in expectation of that. And then all of a sudden, you know, sickness comes in or something, uh, some kind of darkness tries to creep in and we just turn up the light in us and say, uh-uh, you're not coming in here because I have the adequacy of my Father's love. He loves me as a little child and I love Him as a little child and I believe on Him. You can't do that. And you start to know it. You start to pray that way. You start to expect that way. All of a sudden you have the kingdom uh, manifesting in your life, becoming real in your life. Number two, number one, learn how to manifest the kingdom. Number two, remember your job. You're an ambassador. I don't care where you work. Your job as a believer is you are an ambassador of God. You cannot be out there. This is not the time to be out there one day doing one thing and, the, and doing it good and praising God and worshiping God and the next day cussing on Facebook. It's not the time. 
It's not the time to be out there praising God and saying, hey, I checked in at church. And then the next day, all of a sudden you're talking about, did you, my neighbor, they're such a jerk. You know, it's not the time. You're placing yourself outside of God. It's not a good time. It's not the time to say, I love you, God. You're so awesome. And the next day, oh my gosh, how am I going to deal with all these problems? That's not the time. You're an ambassador. Even if you see a problem, then that's the time to go to your church, go to your pastor and say, how do I get this fixed instead of constantly putting up with it, and especially more than constantly putting it out there for the world to see darkness? What you're doing is promoting darkness, not light. It's not the time to do that. Not to mention it just don't work anyway. Number three, and this, I'm just going to read some scriptures to you here. Put away pettiness, offense, and options, and put on love. It is not the time. Look, look you remember at the end of worship tonight? And I, I say when how Job felt and what he did. And then I tell you about how that song, It Is Well, came about. I would say that nobody in here is facing those kind of circumstances. And if they can put on the worship of God, Job can put on the worship in the midst of that circumstance. Mr. Spafford can put on uh, worship and write a song like that that stands up in faith and says, it is well with my soul after losing his family like that. Then no matter what you're facing, you've got to learn to look at it and say, it's well. It's going to be all right. Because what the devil does is he tries to take these little small things in our life and he tries to blow up an atomic bomb on them. And all of a sudden it's like, oh God, I'm going to die. And then well, what happened? Well, my friend disliked me on Facebook. Silly, petty stuff. And it is not the time for it. You're a believer. You're a believer. And it's time to believe. It's time to not take offense, but to let it go. Listen, if God thought taking offense was okay, He would have never sent Jesus. Jesus came and He died for something He did not do. He took the blame for something that He never did wrong. Now if we're going to be believers and we're going to follow after Him and we're going to take up our cross and die daily, then that means, guess what? You're going to have wrong done to you. And it's time to not be offended by that, but to be almost happy and count it like Paul says, we count ourselves blessed to be willing to suffer for God in this way. And I'm not telling you that you should expect suffering i'm telling you that if you do find that way where your flesh is feeling some suffering then you ought to have a different attitude about it don't bring a pettiness and an offense to it but bring a victory that says it's well with me it's well with me amen, amen. romans 12 1 and 2 so here's how you do it listen to this let, let me just throw this out there the message that you say, I don't need to hear that, that is the absolute one you need to hear. Yeah. Guaranteed. 
I don't need to hear this. Or the one that you're going, this is for somebody else. You better (laughs) turn your ears up. It is for you. Right? I can tell you, the devil knows how to push your buttons. He's been watching mankind for 6,000 years, and what he'll do is he'll say, he, I mean, it, you think he's not watching my thoughts? Trying to figure out what I'm going to preach on? And then he goes and he says, oh, Brian's preaching on healing. Let me get everybody that needs healing to stay away from that place today because they're likely to get it. Yep. And so he'll start talking to you about how tired you are and how bad you feel. Just don't, whatever you do, don't show up. You don't need to. They got enough people there. They got enough help. Anytime you start feeling, I don't need that, you ought to be thinking. The Word tells us to be wise about the devil's schemes and his devices. And as soon as we start hearing that, I don't need to go do that stuff, we ought to be going, well, just for that thought, I'm going. Just for that thought, I'm going to go. Just for that alone. That's like when we were, we were facing some financial issues a few years ago and our budget was coming down $1,000 a month and it was coming up quick. And the thought came in my mind uh, to take what we were given in, because we give our tithe and then we have monthly offering over and above that, right? And we, have, we give a regular amount of the first of the month in offering. And so the thought came to my mind well, you could cut off a hundred or so dollars of that offering and that would help your budget. Yep. And I went, I went, hmm, whoa, I'm, just for having that thought, devil, I'm raising it up. Yeah, yeah. Forget you. Yep. No, I'm raising up what we give. Right. And guess what? I've been trying for five years how to figure out my budget and get it. And within the next few months after that, guess what happened? I, I, don't, I still don't know how it happened. Everything flipped and switched, and we actually had surplus. Yeah. And, I, and I went, how? I still can't tell you how it happened. I don't know, except to tell you that it was God. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. When you recognize something that you ought to be doing, and then you've got that thought that says, well, you don't have to go today. You shouldn't give that. Uh, you ought to stand up and go just for having that thought. Well, the devil stopped giving you those thoughts after a while because you've learned how to be an overcomer. You've learned how to get over that. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. King James says your reasonable service. In other words, if God gave His Son, Christ gave His body for you, the least thing you can do is while you're still alive on this earth, decide that I don't have a right to to lead this life. I only have a right to give it back to God. That's my reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, or let me say this, to the thinking of this world which is so far off, we don't have a clue. I guarantee you, it's more far off than you think it is. So, which means all the more, we ought to get in that Word and see what it says over what we think. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Galatians 5, 13 Let's just let the Word speak to us for a second. 
For you were called to free, freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to this verse. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. In other words, if you keep coming against people that are around you, your whole life all of a sudden you're going to look back and it will have been consumed by that stuff and you'll say, my goodness, what have I done for God? And the answer will be very, very little. All of a sudden, I, I've given my whole life and I don't even know what I've done. That's, that's what it's talking about. In other words, in, if you don't take on the attitude of I'm here to serve you instead of serving myself, then I'm going to look back and I'm going to realize where did time go? And then you're going to be standing in front of Jesus and you're going to be wanting to hear well done, good and faithful servant. And maybe that's not what you hear. You don't want that. Which means right now, not later, right now, you've got to say, it's game on time. It's game on. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. For the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are. All right. So these are the things we need to walk out of. Let me put it this way. We need to openly, honestly, open our hearts, open our mind, and open our spiritual eyes to see, Lord, and ask Him. Am I doing any of these things? Because if so, I need to know about it. I need to know about it. So here's the deeds of the flesh. Immorality. Impurity. Sensuality. Idolatry. Sorcery. Enmities. And let me just say this in the middle of this list. All of this, everybody in here is probably going, Oh, yeah, yeah, glad I don't do that stuff. Let me tell you, these things have what we would consider to be big sins, but then they also have things we'd consider to be little. And, and it's those little foxes that spoil the vine. In other words, it's those little things that are tied like these you know, uh, sensualities, like spending the extra time to think about that girl that you saw running down the road or that dude that you saw on the commercial. That we would say, well, nobody saw that, so it's okay. No, 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 it's in here. And it's the thing that places you outside of God. And it's just as bad. It's not like God's going, well, that's a big one, and that's a little one. No, 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 it's just, that ain't me. That's not me. Which is a, a relationship breaker. So when you need the life of God... You don't have the life of God because you've allowed a relationship breaker of sin to come between you and God. That's why as soon as we recognize those things, we've got to repent and then let those things be renewed so that our relationship is renewed. And when we need life, life flows. Amen? Enmity, strife, jealousy, 
outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, life's not going to flow while you're on this earth. It's not going to flow. All right, now, let me read these to you in the message. So, in uh, verse 19, it's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. Okay? Repetitive, in other words, it's continuing, completely outside of love, cheap sexual desire. You can, either, you can classify lust in that too. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. I got to get something to make me happy. So we go out and buy all this kind of stuff. Or we, you know, <laughs> we accept those 1900 small payments. Trying to get happy. <laughs> trying to get happy. Trying to fulfill that desire inside of us. This is things of the flesh. Joyless grabs, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods. In other words, you make something more important than doing the will of God, but it has no power, no more than a trinket. Magic show religion. In other words, you show up to see the show instead of showing up to mature. Paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition. All-consuming, yet never satisfied wants. In other words, these wants, they drive you and drive you and drive you, but you can't ever satisfy them. Why? Because they're not based in God. A brutal temper. An importance. An impotence, excuse me, to love or be loved. In other words, you can't, you can't have it. Divided homes and divided lives. In other words, listen to this one. Just divided homes and divided lives. In other words, you let things come in that keep you divided. Yeah. This is, these are works of the flesh. In other words, now let me, let me throw it to this house, this church house. You find stuff to get angry with other people with. And you let division come in. Instead of just like Jesus did, taking the stuff and saying, look, even if I didn't do it, if I need to take the blame for it, I will. In order to bring unity instead of division. Okay, these are works of the flesh we're talking about. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. I, I like that one. Because in the kingdom, we're not to be small-minded. Remember, increase. God wants us to increase. Our job is to dream big. I can tell you, with the God that you serve, you're not dreaming big enough. Amen? With the God that you serve, you're not thinking big enough. Me either. But I'm learning how to open up my mind. But the flesh will keep me small-minded and lopsided. Always headed in one area. 
the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Everybody's a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of the community. That, mean, that means we make fun of what other people are doing or, or other churches. See, all this stuff's been going on in the church for so long and we've just been okay with it. But see, when this time gets like this, what we might have gotten by with for a period of time, it stops. It doesn't, we can't get by with it anymore. And at some point, there's got to be some believer somewhere that'll say, I ain't putting up with that. That is not the way God gave His Son for me to live. And I will do something about it. I don't care if, if everybody else doesn't. I will do what's right. See, I just am looking for a few people that'll say that. Yep. I could go on. Now let's look at the fruit of the Spirit. He ends up saying that all those things, they're not going to inherit the life in the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. In other words, if we're not doing these things, we need to put on these things. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus, have you, do you belong to Christ Jesus? Then you have crucified the flesh. That means when something comes against your flesh and it starts teasing it and making fun of it, you don't feel it because the flesh to you is dead. Because you've crucified it. You've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Now let me read that in the message here. But what happens, verse 22, what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things. A sense of compassion in the heart. And a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. You know, the one verse in there, the one line says that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We ought to see ourselves as a group of people that's living so pure that doesn't mix the holy and the profane things of the world so that when people come in here, the holiness that is in here automatically that dwells within these people, not just on Sunday morning and Wednesday night, but all throughout the week, they get around you and they just go, oh my gosh, I've got to repent. I've got to change something. 
The kind of holiness, the same thing that Peter faced when he was in that boat and Jesus said, throw your net on the other side and all of a sudden all those fish come up and Peter goes, he drops to his knees and says, get away from me, I am a sinful man. That kind of holiness, it wasn't meant for just Jesus, it was meant for his believers because we're walking that kind of life and people come in here and the junk and the crap and the and the spiritual things that they're so dark and ugly, they start falling off people when they walk in the door. But that doesn't happen if we're making excuses for godliness. That doesn't happen when we step out of Him. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. And is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. It doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things. In the Amplified it says, love believes the best about people. So you know, I hear stories all the time about stuff that people do wrong. And my job, even if I think it's true, is to say, well, I'm believing the best about them. I need to believe the best. Love hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. James chapter 1. I'll read through this quickly. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy. Now remember the context of what we're talking about. Something has changed. We are in a different time. Game is on. The darkness is getting darker. How many have felt that? The darkness getting darker. But now's not the time for us to run and hide, to be mad, or to be scared. Now is the time for us to shine. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Right now, you might be enduring... Daggum, Brian, that's a long message. But this is just it. See, this is the thing that's been sinking us. That's been making the world darker because we haven't been able to endure anything. We've become a microwave society that thinks that godliness will just come to us because we accept Jesus and we never should do anything about it. We never should endure or discipline ourselves. That's ungodliness. I heard preaching the other day that talked about this. It said, it, it said, you know, you can have the talent to be the best violinist in the world, but if you don't sit yourself in discipline under a structured regimen to learn how to play, that talent will be buried with you. 
You've got to find discipline and structure. That's part of what the church brings. That's part of what the body brings is an accountability and a discipline and a structure so that it gives us an environment to grow in and to mature in so that we can be the best light for Christ we can be. Let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Everybody wants the perfect and complete and they want to be lacking in nothing. But nobody wants to endure today in this society. But you don't get one without the other. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let a mask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. In other words, listen, I've talked about this before, the worst place you can be as a Christian is one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. It is miserable. And I'm unstable in all my ways when I live here. See, I, I, Nicole posted it today. We were talking. The only way this life really gets hard on you, and if you think about it, the only way that it gets hard on you is when you've got one foot in both places. Because in your mind, I still have an option to not do what God asked me to do. That's when it gets hard. That when you ever feel hardness or anger or upset, it's because your flesh is pulling on your spirit. It's pulling on your mind. That's the hard part. But when we will crucify the fleshly ways and step all in to the kingdom of God, all of a sudden it gets light and easy. The only way it's hard is when we still give the flesh an option. Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation. Because like flowering grass, he will pass away. That means a rich man that's, that's uh, basically depending on himself. And his skill. For the sun rises with the scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man, in the midst of his pursuits, not God's pursuits, his pursuits, will fade away. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. Let me say this Blessed are you in this time who will persevere. Who will say, I don't care how dark it gets, I'll stand for the Lord. I don't care how much my flesh yells, I will endure. I don't care how weary I feel in my mind, I won't grow weary in well-doing. Blessed is that man. Blessed is that woman. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. 
Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures this you know my beloved brethren but everyone must be quick to hear slow to speak and slow to anger you want to live and thrive in this time here quick to hear slow to speak slow to anger for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. But prove yourself. So what, he's talk what is he talking about? He's talking about in these dark times, put away that stuff and the Word that's implanted in you will take you to the salvation that you need. But prove yourselves doers of the Word and not merely hearers who delude or deceive themselves. See, there's a lot of people in church for lots of years that have been going to church and they've been, they've been hearing the Word but never really became doers. And the Word says they're deceiving their own selves. In other words, if you're really hearing and hearing with spiritual ears and receiving and believing, it will produce a doing. I would say right now that the Lord is challenging multiple people hearing this, no matter where they're at. He's challenging them. Are you doing what I've actually called you to do? Are you actually putting down the flesh and giving what you have to me? Not just talking about money, but talking about time and resources and talents. Are you actually doing what I've given to you as a gift to do? Are you actually being who I've called you to be or in the process of it? Are you still making excuses? One of the things, man, you talk about it in church, things people are always asking for, church leadership people to work in the nursery, people to help, people to volunteer. Generally, there's 20% of the people doing 100% of the work or 80% of the work, whatever that is. And that's, it's a true thing. There's a few people doing everything and there's a lot of people making excuses. Are you just hearing the Word or are you doers as well? Or if you're hearing the Word and not doing it, you are deceiving yourselves. And what happens when the dark time comes is all of a sudden you are not prepared and life is not there for you. All of a sudden, you're sitting there going, why won't you help me? And God's like, why won't you help yourself? I've been giving you the stuff all the time, and you've been deceiving yourselves and not doing anything. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once... He has looked at himself and gone away and he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. In other words, they'll come in on Sunday morning, hey men, praise God, good message preacher, and next Sunday we don't see him, we ain't heard about him, ain't done nothing. Because that's what a hearer but not a doer does. 
They're not living it on Monday morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They just put on face and they think they get it on Sunday. And it won't work in this time. That's what I'm telling you today. It's not going to work. It's already not working for some. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. These are the things that we should have been living all the time, but especially now. Anything else, it's not going to work anymore. Already, it's stopping. It's not working because the darkness is getting darker. But you and I, what are we going to do? We're going to hear it and we're going to do it. And we're going to do what it says in Isaiah 60 verse 1. We're going to do the third part. We're going to shine like the sun. You and I, we're going to arise. And shine, for our light has come. We've seen the light of the promises and of the truth of the Word. We've seen that light and we are going to rise and shine. You and I, the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. If nobody else will stand up and say, the glory's on me, we'll stand up and say, it's on me because I received Jesus. And because I've received the glory, then I will do the things that He's called me to do. You and I are going to do that. You and I are going to behold the darkness covering the earth and deep darkness the people, but we will also behold the Lord rising upon us and His glory appearing upon you. You and I are going to see that and do that because we will put the flesh down. You and I will see nations coming to our light and kings to the brightness of our rising because as the darkness gets darker, the light in us gets lighter and burns brighter. Will you put up that picture? There's a picture we put out on on social media a few weeks ago. It says this, It's time to use the darkness of the world as a beautiful contrast to the light of Christ in you. It's time. The time has come for you to use that darkness. Don't be angry at the darkness. Don't run in fear from the darkness. But you put it to work. And let it show the beauty of the contrast between the king of darkness and the king of light. To show that the light of God in you is so much better than the darkness that the devil has to offer. So that people will stand up and say, I need some of that light. Verse 4, lift up your eyes round about and see. They all gather together. They come to you, the light, through Christ. Your sons will come from afar and your daughters will be carried in the arms. Then you will see and be radiant. And your heart will thrill 
and rejoice because the abundance of the sea will be turned to you and the wealth of nations will come to you. So my question is, we're at this time, it's game on. I got no more notes. Hallelujah. But the question is, are you going to shine? Or are you going to continue to make excuses and watch it get worse and worse with you? Which one are you going to do? Because it's time to stop playing games and get this fight that's been coming for a long time to get it on and be the good soldier that God's called you to be. Don't make excuses for things that the world makes excuses for. But you'll stand up and say, I don't care what the world does. I'm not falling for that. I'm going to go after God. I'm going to be the light that God's called me to be. I'm the watchman tonight. And I'm warning you. I'm sounding the alarm. The time has come. And it's not a time to play games anymore. That won't work. The time has come for you to make a choice. Am I in or am I out? So right now, let's just bow our heads. And you know right now you may be saying, Lord, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. But guess what? Satan's going to challenge that as soon as you walk out these doors. And so it doesn't just need to be a head knowledge. It needs to be a matter of the heart. If you melted down everything that was in me, am I really in? Am I worthy right now to give you every decision? To give you every choice, Jesus? Am I willing right now to do that? Because I guarantee you that Satan will challenge it Immediately. The Word tells us that He comes immediately to steal the seed of the Word. And He will. It's not something to be afraid of, but it is something to recognize and know. You've been making too many excuses for too many things. And I am talking to myself just as much as you. We've been making too many excuses for too many things. And it's time for that to be over. God loves us. His kingdom is joy and peace. But it's also a kingdom of structure and discipline. His kingdom has fun and games. But it also has the seriousness of war. There's a balance that we live in. A beautiful, godly balance. And we see the beauty that it can produce as we make the choices. Are you content to let God make your choices? Or will you not be satisfied if you don't make some? Godliness, I think it's 1 Timothy chapter 6, 
Godliness is actually a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Do you trust Him enough to say, you're making the choices now and I'm all in? Are you going to stay straddling that fence for years to come and look back and all of a sudden your life is wasted away because you didn't make that choice? I don't really feel like opening up the altar, um, but at the same time, if there's somebody that just says, you know what, I need to repent right now, and I need the altar to do it, and that's you, and you want to come on up and say, I'm making the choice, I'm dropping the world, and that's you, and you want, you come right on. You feel free. If you want to handle stuff right in your seat, you handle stuff right in your seat. It's not me that you're pleasing. God's been looking on everything a lot more than I can see, a lot more than I can interact with. You have a king and a savior. You have an almighty father who sees and knows even the intents of your heart. Is it time tonight? It's time whether you recognize it or not. Are you making it the time where you're all in? And you're stopping to make excuse. For those that feel like praying with me, please do out loud. Say, Father, tonight. I put away all fleshliness. And I crucify the fleshly ways. And I pick up my cross. Daily. The discipline of Christ. The structure of your orders. Your ways. And I go all in with you. I don't make my decisions any longer. Jesus is my Lord. He's the director of my life. And Lord, we will thrive. We will shine. We will burn bright with the light of Christ in these dark days. And we praise You. With everything that happens, You can know that I am not double-minded, but it is well it is well with my soul. We receive you and your life and your light, your radiance, your brilliance. In Jesus' name. Amen. So be it. So be it. Thank you for enduring tonight. That's the kind of stuff believers do. And I appreciate it. Amen. Have a good night.
Ashes we 